Hey, hi ho Lions fans. Welcome to the Detroit Lions Podcast 6th Annual Training Camp Party! Love you all. Thank you all for coming out and joining us for this wonderful show. We're uh, so glad to have you. This is a good time. Um, it's so good to have you all come out. Thank you all for joining us. We are here with my co-friend, my good friend and co-host, Jeff the Riz. Rizden, how are you doing, brother? It is great to be here live. Isn't it's it? awesome. Isn't it? Isn't it? Yes. We got the Riz. We also have the angriest Canadian this side of the border, Ash Thompson. How you doing, Ash? Great to have you, brother. Doing great, man. One of these things is not like the others. <laughs> and also the man with the golden pipes, the most beautiful voice in Detroit, the man who is so humble that I love to really embarrass him by saying such great things, Dan the Man Miller, the voice of the Detroit Lions. Thank you guys for coming out. This is great. Yeah, it is so great. Thank you, Dan. This is such a great tradition. It's so wonderful to have I you out you join us. I appreciate you inviting me. This is awesome. He keeps hitting me. Like, he's like, I thought you guys forgot about us this year. I'm like, we never forget about you, Dan. <laughs> so here we go. We got a great show coming. Uh, we're going to get right into it. We're going to start in talking about some of the, what we've seen in training camp so far. We're going to go position by position as we walk through. And we're going to back out a little bit, talk about the Lions and work our way through uh, some of the other things, more broadly affecting the team and what we see in the team. We're going to get a little bit of a day in the life from Dan, and then also we're going to do some Q&A live from the audience, some uh, questions that we've submitted. There's a big pile over there, so uh, we're probably going to go deep. Uh, we'll get into that. There's another one right there. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> all right, Riz, I want to start out. You did a, a short right after he was signed. We want to start at the quarterback position. I want to talk about Nate Sudfeld and see if, you know, what's, what's the Riz reaction right now to the signing of Nate? Where the bullshit. No, no, tell us what you really think. He's been okay. He was not good today. He's been better than that most days in camp. We have seen from Sudfeld why the coaching staff valued him and why they brought him back. I think he's an innocuous but capable backup for Jared Goff, and I think that's what Jared Goff wants. Earlier this offseason, Dan and Ben Johnson both talked to, to the media about like, the need to have a sounding board. And I think Nate Sudfeld is very good at that. And I think he comforts Jared Goff and is somebody that Goff trusts to present him information and to, like, well, did you see this on this play? Or what did I miss on this play? And I think Sudfeld's very good at that. And there's a lot of value in that. Now, if he has to actually play more than, like, a quarter in a game, it's probably not going to go so well. But that's, that's true of most teams and most backups now. And if you watch the Hall of Fame game uh, Thursday night, you saw Tim Boyle, and that really didn't go well. So uh, I'm much happier with Nate Sudfeld than I am with Tim Boyle or David Blau. And I was, as, as most of you in the room know, I kind of like David Blau, but it just, it just wasn't ever going to happen for him here. So uh, I, I'm, I'm more pleased than I expected to be with Nate Sudfeld at this point. There you go. All right. Quarterback position. You've had conversations with Jared Goff. Yeah. He's really seemed to have grown with his time uh, with the Detroit Lions. He's a, he's a player that was definitely at the end 
of his time with uh, the, the Rams, and he seems to have found new life. What have, what have you learned in your conversations with Jared, Dan? Well, I mean, I'll go back to our preseason training camp special that we did the first day of training camp, and uh, Will Birchfield asked Goff what he had learned about himself in the time that he'd been in Detroit after the trade from the Rams, and he kind of paused for a second, and I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, we could do hours on that. And, and, and he said... And again, paraphrasing, he said, sometimes the thing that you think is the worst thing in the world can actually be the best, and you don't understand how strong you are. I think, let's all go back to what Jared Goff went through. He's the king of L.A., and then all of a sudden, he's not. And then he's traded to Detroit. Uh, Shock there. You're losing, um, and the guy that you're traded for looks like the MVP of the league for the first eight or nine weeks of that season. And I think that if you're Goff, that had to be difficult to deal with. And I think he, he went through that. He, he came out the other side. Um, and I think he found a, a great deal of comfort in Detroit, in Ben Johnson. Um, and and I, I just think he has grown so much in terms of his comfort with this situation, his comfort with what happened and now his belief in himself. And look, we can sit here in Lions fans and just look at his track record and say, you know what? Jared Goff has done things in this league we've dreamed of. Jared Goff has been to playoff games, won playoff games, been to a Super Bowl, and accomplished things in this league. And I think you saw at the end of last year what Jared Goff is capable of. And he played at a really high level. He directed this offense into a top five offense. And I think he has proven that he is more than capable. Now that said, uh, it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. This is a huge year for Jared Goff to go out there, play well, help this team fulfill the expectations that people have for it, and also let's not forget his new contract is kind of lingering out there as well, which is going to be largely, in my mind, based on what happens this year. Absolutely, absolutely. Ash, you're looking across the, the quarterbacks. You've seen them two days of training camp. You've looked at this team last year to this year. What's your, what's your thoughts right now on, on what we're seeing? Well, yeah, I mean, I've seen two days of training camp practices, so obviously I can tell you everyone who's going to be on the 53 at this point, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm the, the internet guy, so I, I have to know Ooh. everything. We good? Yeah, we're good. Okay. Uh, it's, it, there's a, just such a massive difference in looking at how the offense is run when Jared Goff is doing it compared to the other two guys, it, if that makes sense. Uh, like, just... You really can't see it on TV. It's, it's, I, I highly recommend to everybody go to at least one practice and just focus on when they're in 11-on-11s and watch what Jared Goff is doing versus what Nate Sudfeld is doing. And it's not that what Sudfeld is doing is bad, but Jared Goff, every time he does a read, goes about 10% into his throwing motion while he's making the read just to make it quicker to get the ball out. And it's just it's a thing. It looks like he has happy feet when you're watching broadcast footage, but when you're watching him do it live, you're like, no, that guy's coiling to throw a ball every single time he looks at a receiver. It's... It's just, he's, he's operating on a different level from anything I had previously seen, if that makes sense. Yeah, oh yeah, uh, yeah it and does. Then, and then, yeah, there's just a little bit of a drop-off, like uh, Nate Sudfeld doesn't do that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Nate, 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 to be fair, today Nate had a really bad day. Yes, he did. He, he missed a lot of throws, uh, a couple interceptions. Now, the one thing I've, I've say, I'll say in his defense is the secondary this year seems to have some hands. They have hands like receivers. It's pretty impressive what they've been doing out there this year. Well, they have weapons. I mean, that's, that's clearly what this team is built around. And if you look back to last year, it was, let's start here. 
this team is built around the offensive line. Yeah, and for when sure. you're starting there, that's a great place to start. And they still haven't been able to get all five guys in the field that they want to get on the field at one time. But that offensive line, I think Jared has tremendous confidence in. It gives him a running game. They have the best running game they've had since Barry was here last year. That gives a quarterback confidence. That makes the play-action fake work, and Jared works well off of that. And then the guys that they have last year were varied, and he utilized all of them. And then this year, man, when you start thinking about the speed of a Gibbs and the hands of a Laporta and Amon Ra's just flat a star, and, you know, Montgomery is, is a runner and can catch the ball out of the backfield, and on down the list of guys that can make plays on this team, I, I think it is, it's exciting to think of Ben Johnson at the helm of this thing and Jared being able to kind of direct this thing. Look, it was the top five offense last year, and it's got the potential to be better this year. Absolutely. Absolutely. Riz, yeah, I think about that. Um, Jared Goff is obviously the guy. If, Absolutely. If Jared Goff gets hurt, and this is true for any NFL team, you lose your quarterback, you can write off most of the season, but there's somebody out there floating out there who may be waiting for the first team to lose their starter in Teddy Bridgewater. But to have a guy like that on the roster, what a safety net. What an absolute way to carry. If you need a quarter or two or a game, that's the guy that can pull you through and save a season for a team so hungry and so desperate like the Detroit Lions. Potentially, but Miami thought that last year, and he didn't do it. And I think that's something that a lot of the fans in general don't He wasn't good in Miami. Um, and Miami, Miami fans, and even certain people in their media, will tell you that he wasn't good for Tua. And that's, look, he's a, he's a capable veteran backup. He, he's been through the ropes. He's been around a lot of different offensive systems. The fact that he's not here now means that he's not going to, look, we've all talked about this. Ben Johnson's offense is very intricately designed. Absolutely. It's based on everybody being in sync all the time. If you're injecting or interjecting a guy into that late in the process, I don't know how that's going to go. Like, they, they clearly wanted him even right after the draft, mm -hmm. and he didn't come. So I... Let's talk about step two then, right? Yeah. The guy that is on the roster, Hendon Hooker. Yeah. We talked to him at Senior Bowl. We spent some time with him. Impressive young man. Oh, hell yeah. Very heck impressive yeah. guy. <laughs> he very much looks like, as soon as Jared Goff walks himself out of a job, works himself out of a job, he's the guy that's absolutely going to step up into that role. What do you think about his availability at the beginning of the season? When does he come available? Is he a guy that benefits from sitting a year and letting Jared Goff lead this team and then being the guy to take the reins as they go forward if Jared can't quite push the, the right buttons for the team? So in 2024, there's no question he's the number two. In 2023, it's... It's dicey. I am not a medical professional. I am not a trained physical therapist or anything like that. But I saw him, what day was that? Monday. No, sun, last Sunday. Hopping backwards down Mount Patricia. <laughs> and then sprinting up it. And you would never, you would never know that he's had a knee injury. Like, it, it doesn't show at all. Right. Like, in my mind, that th I, th I think he's close. And I think, I think if they needed him to be ready, he 
could be ready. Doesn't mean that they will deem him ready, but he could be if they have to. If something catastrophic happens in the preseason or something happens in the Kansas City game in week one, I don't know that Hendon wouldn't be available. Yeah. Um, they're they're going to tell us that, but I, I will tell you, I've look, I, I've followed a lot of players. I've seen a lot of ACL recoveries. Um, I watched Odell Beckham tear the exact same ACL 18 months apart, and that's that's scary. But there's just something about Hendon where he, again, if you didn't know that he had torn his ACL, you would never guess that he has an injury. Like, there's no sign of it at all. And you watch him throwing after practice today, and a ton of people stuck around and did that. He looks good, man. Yeah. He looks real good. Yep. Yep. I think I, we, we go back thinking about everything's built around the offensive line. Uh, there was a quote directly, I think it was Frank Ragnow, talking about Matt Patricia's hill, Mount Patricia. He said... I had enough of that shit. <laughs> he did not want any more of that hill. Um, interesting, especially with that toe, right? But let's talk about Hank Fraley and what he's done for that offensive line. I mean, this, this guy, I mean, he talked about being a teacher when we interviewed him, but it's really, yeah. he's an educator. Uh, last year, with uh, you know, everyone was ready, and even this year, we were ready to see those starting five finally fire it up together. Vitai, he's dinged up right now. He doesn't. It, we're, we're wondering, is it going to be another another one of those where we don't see those five together? Last year, Hank was able to pull guys together that nobody thought we're going to be able to do it. Getting and, and Dan Skipper to, to start one of the four games. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. God bless him, man. He played well, too. He got the game ball. Yeah. That was so, that was, that, that's honestly one of my favorite moments of Lions of all time. I have loved Dan Skipper since I, I talked to him at the Shrine Bowl back in like 2017. He's a great, earnest guy. And the fact that they recognized that and, and trusted him to, to play guard when he's a six foot, he's the tallest guy in the NFL. You don't normally <laughs> want your six ten guy playing inside. You want him outside. The fact that he did it, like, yep. that's so cool. The, the, the hardest thing, and I've heard this. And, that, and that's Hank, man. Yeah. That's Hank. The hardest thing they had to teach out of Skip's was to not beat up his fellow teammates because he was he was the epitome of grit. He would get in there and he would grind out and he would get in fights with his own teammates as they were working out together. He had he had a, a real chip on his shoulder. Good good guy. Um, Ash, you're an offensive lineman by trade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thirty years ago in Northern Canadian high school football. Yeah I yeah. Was a left that's, guard. That's, that's, our bona fides. We don't have to talk about them. They're out there. <laughs> the golf star. Yeah. <laughs> what do you see that helps set this this offensive line apart? The camaraderie is just insane. Like it, it just the, 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 these guys love each other. You know what I mean? Like it is it is they consider it a brotherhood in that room, and it's it's all they talk about constantly. Like everyone likes to have Graham Glasgow back. Like yeah, he's a good player, awesome sixth offensive lineman. Like that's probably the best sixth offensive lineman in the NFL. But also he's a really good hang in meeting rooms, <laughs> by all accounts. And and that's huge. I mean, who does? Who wouldn't rather love coming to work every day than having to be there with a bunch of miserable people who are just nothing but competition constantly? You know what I mean? Like it's it's having good guys to go to work with that you trust and like is just massive. And I think that's kind of the the huge thing with that room is that is the environment that he has cultivated by being who he is as a coach, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Let's move on. I want to I just touch on the draft because uh, the next position group we're going to talk about is tight ends, and Sam Laporta is the guy that obviously comes to mind. But I want to look at the draft more broadly, Dan. You sat there, you've watched many drafts from the Detroit Lions. Brad Holmes really, he seems to have a touch. This year the draft really fell 
to the Lions. You can talk about Brian Branch. You can talk about so many people that should have gone other places that came to the Lions and worked out. What are you seeing from this front office and, and Brad Holmes and that partnership between all of them that's different from prior regimes? Well, and I think that's where you start. It's the collaboration. I, I think that just, in, and, and honestly, that starts with, with Sheila Hamm and her vision that she had when she took over this team. And I give her tremendous credit for that, for, uh, and I said this earlier this week, for doing a deep dive on this organization and figuring out that the culture that was in place with the previous regime wasn't good. And you had a lot of yeah. people in that building that didn't feel valued. And a lot of people in that building who had been told that you don't matter. Yeah. And it's just football people that matter. Well, I think that didn't set well with her. So they brought in Chris Spielman, and Chris is about as collaborative and, and as you're going to get with a, a guy that bleeds for this franchise and lives to make people feel valued. Um, I'll tell you a story. So Chris and I are walking in Buffalo once. Uh, we were doing preseason games together. And a homeless guy came up, and he's like, can I have some money? And Chris, is, Chris says, yeah, no problem. And the guy goes, kid. You know, he had his hand out, and Chris goes, come on. So he took him into a diner and bought him a meal. He didn't want to just give him the money. Right, right, right. you know, that might go yeah. the other way. Yeah, Chris yeah, took yeah. him in there. He, I'm like, what did you do? And he explained to me what he did and why he did it. And he just, and one thing he said to me, he said, God has given me more than I need, so it's up to me to give to other people who don't have enough. That's Chris. Yeah, yeah. But they brought him aboard. This is little, no, that's, that's who he is. And I've told that story before, but that's who he is. He's just a, he's just a hell of a guy. And um, they found people that understood what it was to work together. And they found people that understood what it was to make everybody in the building, whether you're doing media relations, public relations, uh, janitorial staff, or whatever, like you're part of something when you come to work that day. Yep. And I think that's, that started with Sheila, and that was her vision, and I think that's what she's able to do. You see that permeate the draft room when everybody in there is involved in that process. You guys probably watched Inside the Den. Um, and I would hope so. That's just, that's just how they work. And, you know, this relationship between Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes at the top and Mike Disner and Rod Wood and, 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 and Chris and uh, Brandon and all the people that are in there making this thing happen – um, it's real, yeah. and, and they do work together. And look, Brad's got his own way of doing things. Look, when, when he drafted Jameer Gibbs, I was kind of like, really? And then you begin to understand why, and, and Jack Campbell was a bit of a surprise as yeah, well. Yeah, he was. But as the smoke cleared, the funniest thing was everybody just shredding him on Thursday night. Then by Friday, after they drafted Branch and Laporta, people were like, you know, they've had a pretty good draft. <laughs> you know, they, they might be getting better here. Well, you know what? He drafted guys that, and ultimately it's going to be dictated by winning and losing. You're going to be right because you won or wrong because you didn't. That's how this business works. Mm -hmm. But he drafted guys that they want to use, that they see a role for, and that's how he worked this thing. And I don't think anybody's complaining now right. as right. you see Gibbs in his role. Campbell in his role, Laporta, Branch, even Broderick Martin, whom a lot of people kind of question them trading up for, is getting some time with the ones, and while he's got a ways to go and has to figure some things out, that dude has made some flash plays where you say, okay, I see what they see in him, so nothing but, but high marks for them, but that being said, the operative 
way of looking at this is they haven't done anything. Done you got to win. Oh. You got to win. But I love the way they're setting it up. Yeah. Yep. This is. I think about it, and I, I often take a look at this from a kind of a leadership perspective. And you've all heard me talk about servant leadership, and I'm not going to go on the on the big servant leadership thing here. But I will talk about when they hired Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell. They hired Dan Campbell first. If we go back to when we hired Matt Patricia, our front office said, we don't have the capability to find the guy. We're going to hire Ernie Corsi. We're going to go get the NFL's consensus guy, and we're going to bring him in. And he, everybody thought this was the most brilliant pick ever, and we saw what the results were. Sheila did that head-to-toe evaluation. She brought in a coach before a GM. She chose to bring in Dan Campbell with Chris Spielman, with Rod Wood, who's making football decisions, and also (laughs) then made the move to get Brad Holmes. And look how well they fit together. It wasn't a GM bringing his coach in. It was a team bringing in people that work well together, know how to work together. And then you go fast forward to today and last week and the last couple weeks in training camp, and you see Chris Spielman, the guy who Dan just talked about, out there with his divot seed filling the divots on the field because no job is below the assistant to the owner he's got his own bucket yeah (laughs) that's that that is leadership that is somebody saying i will do the lowest job i will fix the divots left by the players in this field because i care as much about winning as the players and anybody else and that's the collaboration and the, the the soul that they've built into this team and it boy it would kill me if this didn't work because i absolutely think that this brand of leadership and development and group of people deserves it more than anybody and this fan base of course after suffering for so long deserves exactly that Um, first off chris check our youtube feed because i'm not sure that it's going out um secondly with chris spielman and the the divot thing he does indeed have his own bucket and and shovel and everything and does he's very diligent about it and very very thorough about it yep but in the middle of that there was they were practicing i want to say this was last saturday or sunday saturday i think and ben johnson had an offensive series where he was not happy at all with his offense and chris went over and put his arm around ben and talked to him and gave him input and gave him feedback on what he saw and ben really appreciated that and just the fact that chris is there and shows that he cares and is and will do any like chris he will do anything to help this franchise win uh i I know he didn't finish his career here but he doesn't see it that way he's he is a detroit lion through and through and uh it's it's really remarkable to get to see him um as you all know if you you've watched this at all he's my football hero i grew up in northeast ohio when he was like he was a god there to us everybody everybody wanted to be number 36 for ohio state and uh, he's, he's, it's been remarkable to, to get to meet him and to get to know him just, just on the very surface. Uh, and it's, it's great that he's around and that he's involved. I mean, his, his role is fairly, fairly ambiguous. Dan can certainly speak to more of what he does than I can, but he just, whatever needs to get done, if you ask Chris to do it, he's going to do it. And he's going to do it to I the best of his ability. I think you just described it. Yeah. He, he does whatever needs to be done. Yeah. And, and he's a great sounding board for these guys and a, and a great, you know, ambassador for the organization and a great liaison b- between, you know, Sheila and whomever she needs to, to deal with on a given day. It's just, you know, they just all fit together well. And again, I keep going back to this. You've got to win and they've got to do something. But ultimately, 
Uh, you know what? It also starts with they're all good people. They're all yes. really good yes. people, and that's where I think they resonate with the players is there is a, a trust in Campbell, and it, it's based on the way that he treats them. He's so consistent. He never changes. I've never seen him get rattled up at the podium, get angry at a question. He's the same guy if you're talking to him off on the side as if he's answering a question or doing something. He's just, he's just rock solid, and, and you have to have that at the top, and we've seen what happens when you don't have that. Yes, and, yes, we have. And <laughs> so again, many it's, uh, I'm, I'm a big, you know, I, I'm like Chris, man. I, I just desperately, desperately want this thing to work because it would kill me if it didn't because it's just, it feels so right. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get, as we move on from the talk about the draft, let's talk about uh, Sam Laporta, who is, by all accounts right now, looking really sharp out there. He's, he's doing great work. Um, Ash, you've seen him for a couple of days. He's, he's not slow by no. any stretch. No, he's not. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, this is another situation where, like, I like Brock Wright. He brings a lot to the table. He's a good player. You know what I mean? But there is just another level of proficiency at certain things that you see from Sam Laporta that just isn't there from anyone else on the roster. And it's, it's incredible watching him. Like, I'm sure everyone in this room and watching has probably seen on Twitter the footage of him basically turning around and still moving in this direction and making a ridiculous catch, you know, but then there's also the other side of like, when he goes in to do some blocking, maybe it doesn't quite look as sharp as that, but uh, I'd, I'd be amazed if he didn't figure it out just based on like what you hear from him, what you see him doing on the field. It's, it's not a lack of effort, which is the, the one thing you can't fix. Uh, it's uh, he's just not great at it yet, but no, no tight end coming out of college is really. We, were, we went through it. that with T.J. Hawkinson. Yep, he was not a good blocker when he came out of Iowa, and he got better at it. Yep. And Vikings fans are testing the limits of that. And by the way, he he left their practice today with an injury. Hopefully, it's not serious. Who's that? T.J. Did he? Yeah. Uh, hopefully, it's not serious. Um, on on that front, Jeff Okuda is allegedly going to be back for Week One, which is very good news. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as we are collectively as a Lions group kind of glad that he's gone I, I, I don't think we really miss Jeff Okuda I think we all are still rooting for him and, and saw enough potential in him that there's there's you understood why he was the number three pick in the draft and you still hope that it works out for him um, even though he's not here anymore because he was a good dude he was never anything but but forthright and trying really hard uh, and it's great that he's not seriously injured again it sounds like an ankle um, I actually texted back and forth with, with Mike Rothstein, who you discovered that the Lions for ESPN this morning. He said he thinks we'll be back for, for September, so that's good news. Awesome. Dan, we were sitting here beforehand, and you were saying that you were probably the best tight end on the field if they'd let you on the grass. But <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. You've, you've got the softest hands in the NFL. Uh, <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what do you like about the tight ends, and what, what, what gives you a little pause out there? Only because they've never done a day of labor. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, listen, uh, love Laporta, love everything I've seen about him. Um, look, just looking at his college tape, he catches the ball, his run after the catch is terrific. He has fallen right into this offense. Clearly, Jared has confidence in him, which I think is, is really important. And I think he trusts him. And I think he's, it, it's a position, that, as, as you guys alluded to, that guys sometimes take a while to figure things out. He looks like he's figuring things out. And it's exciting, and I think he's gonna be a, a weapon from day one. And 
Um, you know, as Ash said, you know, whether it's, it's Brock Wright in there or James Mitchell comes along, whatever the case, they've got multiple tight ends that are going to be able to help this team. And um, I, I just I think Sam is a really, really exciting prospect. There's some guys that you just watch that just have it, that just understand how yeah, to get open, yeah. mm-hmm. how to catch the ball, how to turn up field, how to make plays. And his demeanor is just so chill, too. He's yep. just such a laid-back guy that I think that helps him as well because this is a pretty you know, intense business, but he seems to just be kind of taking everything in stride. Uh, I think he's he's just a really exciting prospect who's going to add a lot really early in his career. And Dan, we have seen him in practice line up as a wideout, and he looked good. I think I think without JMO, they're they're exploring a lot of different things. And, Absolutely, you know, from Gibbs being out there to him being out there to mixing and matching guys, and and uh, I it's. Look, in Ben Johnson, we all trust oh, his ability to utilize different weapons, and I think it'll be it'll be interesting. But he's got that ability, and and he's a problem when he matches up against the wrong guy for the opposition. He's going to find a way to beat him. Not the biggest guy in the world, but knows how to find space and knows how to make plays. And Dan, you hit on it after the catch. He's special. Watch yeah. that Iowa tape. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, he's just bouncing off guys like a pinball yeah. and just, you know, runs hard. And um, if there was, you know, if there was a knock on Hawk, it was probably that. His run yeah. after the catch. Yeah, he, he catches the ball and jumps ball. up and gets submarined. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't what you wanted. I mean, terrific player, but yeah, I, I think there was more in terms of run after the catch than maybe they were getting there and, and – you know, we'll see if Laporta can bring that. I mean, again, it's we're talking about a guy who hadn't had one catch in the NFL yet, but, man, just the way he's adapted as a rookie in his first training camp is really exciting. He's yeah. going to get yeah. a lot of passes, a lot of passes. I don't think there's any doubt. Yeah. If you think about this offense and you're a defensive coordinator faced up against Ben Johnson and this talent, at some level, you're, you're looking at a piece of talent out there that you have to put somebody who's – like a low-level guy to cover. You're talking about Montgomery and Gibbs and, and maybe J-Mo. <laughs> we'll see. We'll talk about him in a little bit. But you have Amon-Ra. You have Laporta. I mean, pick your poison. This is incredible. The, the, the offensive weapons there. We saw how well this offense performed last year. We'll talk a little bit here in a minute how they've, how they've shored up the defense. The defense looks to really be uh, a point of strength. This this is really a good, I mean, this is always the time of the year when you can sit back and feel, this is the time when you yeah. have to feel optimistic about your team. Because if you don't, you shouldn't be watching football because you're only going to be heartbroken. That's yeah. the only way I you're going to go. You're probably in for a long year if you don't feel good right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, and I would, throw, I would throw Khalif in there as well. Yeah, I mean, with yeah. the year that he Leaf had last year. Khalif has been good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, oh, yeah. he did a really good job for them last year. And, you know, Jared's got a comfort level with Reynolds as well. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I just think there's a bunch of guys out there that can make plays. We know who the guys that should lead it are, but the key is, do you have guys behind Amon-Ra, Gibbs, Montgomery, Laporta, that can make plays because they're paying so much attention to them? And the answer for the Lions is yes. Now look, like anybody else, I'd love to see J-Mo out there and playing and playing at a high level, which we're all gonna see when that happens and if that happens, but there's a, there's a lot of pieces that excite you for this offense that Ben Johnson can work with and Jared Goff can lean on. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Talking about uh, Ben Johnson, um, one of the smartest guys, he came back, and there was a lot of fear about Ben Johnson potentially not coming back. I wanna ask you, Dan, Ben 
personality-wise. You see him on Inside the Den. You see him yeah. a lot. He's, he's not one that likes to be a cam- in front of the camera. His, his personality type, the way he is, it really feels like he's found the team and the position that's right for him. It doesn't, and I'm not, I can't say I'm not him. I'm not inside his head. But he, it, it, to me, from the outside looking in, it seems like he doesn't necessarily want all that comes with being a head coach because there's a lot that takes him away from what it seems like he really, really enjoys. Or I think he looked at it and said, you know what, I have a great situation here and it wouldn't hurt me to have another year or two uh, before I go and take a job. Because he's going to get a job. Yep. I mean, if his yes. career continues on this 100%. trajectory, he's 100% going to get a head coaching job. And I don't know what the exact reasoning was for him not you know, further pursuing it this year, but it might have just been... This thing's pretty good right now, and it's not going to hurt me to hang for another year. And look, he doesn't want, as you said, the spotlight. He doesn't want to make it about him. And it was very easy to make it about him in this offseason when he came back, coming off the year that they had. But he wants his players to feel that and his players to be the reason that this thing succeeds. And um, look, he's got some fire to him. You watch him out on that practice field. If you mess up, he's going to get up in you real quick. And and it's, you don't want to be on the wrong side of that, but the players respect it because it only comes when it's deserved and it's consistent and they know what they're going to get out of him. And again, I think that's a trickle down from all management and Dan Campbell and, and who they are. But, um, He's, he's, it's impressive to see the growth. You're talking about a guy who hasn't been an offensive coordinator no. for that long, guys. <laughs> and, and it's just, you know, really his future is so bright. Whatever he wants to do because of the way he thinks the game, but also the way he deals with people. And both those things are important. You know what you can see is a connection with him and Hank Fraley. There is a very, when you watch in drills, when they're doing the scrimmages, if you look behind the offense at the point, you know, if you're thinking like a defense on, a, on, on, on hockey, on the left point, you have Ben Johnson back there watching. At the right point, Hank Fraley. Every time. The two antennas talking back and forth and taking the opposite side view of the same thing. It, there's, there's something between those guys. And I, and I just really want to talk about Really quick, I want to thank all of you for coming out here and doing this. Um, as you know, we do St. Jude every year. We're doing it the first week of uh, December this year. Um, Riz and I, 24 hours, I'm already in that 24-hour mode. Uh, we do 24 hours nonstop live, plenty of uh, interviews. Hank Fraley and all the defensive line have signed uh, shirts for us. Uh, the Hank's Tank shirts, if you've seen them at the site. Uh, all five linemen, Hank Fraley at all, they'll be up for auction. So um, it, you can go now. You can't get those for auction, but you folks are so generous, and we appreciate what you do. We do St. Jude year-round. If you go to stjude.com slash DLP, it's always available. You can drop a couple bucks if you have a couple spare bucks. Um, help us out. Um, the team has really, really helped support this and got us a lot of merchandise and these kinds of things throughout the years, and they continue to work with them to the big show. But I just wanted to quit a uh, quick plug in there for the St. Jude stuff. That stuff doesn't stop. We do that as much as we can. So if you guys take care with us and help out, we love to do that little thing for us. So I want to get that plug in because um, those guys are connected, and, and they're connected here. I'm, I'm interested to see what happens this year and, and how – Ben chooses to go, and then when that domino falls, or if that domino falls, what happens with Hank? Because I think there's there's a, a real clear connection between those two guys. You know, they have they have so many worthy 
underlings as their coaches right now. Yeah. Tanner Engstrand is a guy who's going to be an NFL offensive coordinator, whether it's in Detroit or somewhere else. He will be there soon. I think you look on the defensive side of the ball. We we interviewed Kelvin Shepard, Chris. We talked yep. to yep. Kelvin. That guy, he's going to be a head coach before too long. Yeah. Oh. And certainly a coordinator. Uh, the linebackers coach, he's, it, it, he's fun to watch because you know, like, like Dan said about Ben, he's intense, he's going to let you know when you screwed up, but he's also going to know when you do great. And he's going to celebrate it the same way. And he's, he's got that still player mentality. Like if somebody does something that he couldn't do as a player, he's going to, he's going to celebrate that. And it's, yep. I, I saw a little bit of that today. Uh, Rodrigo made a play, uh, one of the few that he made today, parenthetically, but he made a play today where Kelvin Shepard went up and, and like chest bumped him afterwards. We saw it earlier in camp. My goodness, I, I thought he was going to floor somebody when he, yep. he chest bumped him after a play. It's just, it's really cool to see. And, and you know, all the guys are talking about John Scott coming in, the new defensive line coach. Thank you. <laughs> I got I'll more beer. I'll this take a short M43. More, more beer is always good. <laughs> uh, we, we like beer. Just order live. Fuel. And I've talked to a couple of the defensive linemen independently, and they, they're talking about John Scott coming in from Penn State as a no-nonsense, enthusiastic teacher. And Chris, you've, we've, we've talked about this all extensively on this podcast. The fact that all these ex-players have a teaching mindset, they want to instill the wisdom that they've learned. But it's not just that. Like There are some, some ex-players who just don't know how to translate that. I think all the ex-players that they have on this roster are very good about understanding how to teach what they've learned and how to implement it and how to practically apply excuse me apply it to football situations and what the what the players are going through yep. and you see that with kelvin you see that with tanner engstrand who didn't play in the nfl but is there i mean <laughs> you would never know he's not an nfl quarterback by the way he throws the ball in practice mm -hmm. you know jt barrett has been working extensively with the wide receivers and he comes at it from a quarterback point of view. Like, okay, I expected you to be one more step further down. I, I saw him talking to Jamo about this on a route. He's like, you're so fast that you can't necessarily like be that fast to get to the point of attack because the ball, like the play, isn't designed for you to be there that fast. And he's like, he's like worked with Jamo as, as an offensive assistant. Like, just th those are things that. I, Look, I've covered the Texans. I've covered the Browns. I, I, I'm very familiar with the, several other teams. You don't get that from everywhere. And that's something that I think is a big key for why this team is, is successful as they are and why they can grow into something much more successful. Yeah, this is, and, and throw, throwing, throwing a couple of the names from Duker to Randall L. Duker, to, Duker's, you know, Duker's great. Yeah, to, to Randall L. to Dre Bly, who looks really comfortable early. I mean, and, and the entire coaching staff, Here's the thing that's been missing in Detroit for a long time. It's a coaching staff that had the ability to develop players. Yes. Because if you don't have that, you can't win. Because guys don't come into this league, as I said a moment ago, understanding how to play in this league. Mm -hmm. You really, you may think you know, but you don't. Yep. Yeah. You look at Baltimore, Pittsburgh, the teams that win year after year after year, their coaches develop, they know what the, their, their personnel department knows what they want and they draft it. And then their coaches know how to develop those players. 
I mean, for so long, we didn't have a lot of guys that even made it to a second contract. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. a problem. Guys have to come here and get better. And now you can look up and down that roster and, and point to young players who are ascending in their careers and their abilities. And that, I think, is the strength of the organization right now. And it has to be, because if you're not doing that, then you're trying to fill out a roster with free agency and things like that. And, it, and we've, we all know it doesn't work because we've tried it. And it just, I, the, that to me is, aside from culture and all those things, and it's part of it, the most exciting thing about this organization is the development of young players because they're the backbone of this team. And they're the reason we think this team can get better. And I'll take that a little further. It's the development of young coaches. We talk about Dan, uh, Ben Johnson, who hasn't been an event coordinator for very long. He's what, 35 years old? <laughs> Tanner Eggstrom, right behind, about ready to kind of step up. Uh, Kelvin Shepard brought in and, read, and, and taking. The, you see the development of the players, you see the development of the coaches, and the whole kind of identity of this team, whether it's players, coaches, anywhere in the organization is the growth and building. Look, Ben Johnson is one day going to be somewhere else. Hopefully it's not for 50 years <laughs> and, we're, and we've got all the Super Bowls in between. But he's going to go somewhere else one day. But you know what? This team is built for the long haul. They will have the next person in line to be the next Ben Johnson who no one heard about in this room four years ago. Right? right? Nobody knew who he was. That guy is probably there now or they know who he is. They are continuing to grow their coaches in the same way. And that's how you get great talented coaches you bring people in who have an opportunity to prove what they can do and become better at their craft and grow and take the next step you can't hoard all the things because the things will leave you and they don't want to be there and this is the strategy i think across from the players to the coaches across the organization it's to all the about secretary this. pool like yeah it's 100%. the entire style of this organization and it's 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 what means I'll hold that thought just let me say this freddie the pizza man has just said that he thinks that Fox 2 needs to allow me to start ordering M43s on the set. <laughs> Freddie, I agree with you, Freddie. Thank you, Freddie. I agree with you. Thank Trying you for watching, Fred. You're, you're a great dude. Ago. Great guy. Great absolutely. guy. Great work with autism. Yeah, you know, absolutely. charity is, you know, if you're looking for a second charity to give money to, Freddie the Pizza Man's charity is yes, no doubt. 100%. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Um, on, on that point, though, remember the consternation when Ben Johnson was named Offensive coordinator, <laughs> and Ash, I know you know this. Like people were like, "Why?" I talked a lot. Why did we not go lunch. after Joe Brady? Why did we not go after some big name who has experience? Mm -hmm. I think you're seeing why, because to, to the points that have been made here, where's Joe Brady coaching? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the the coach Dan and Brad and Chris and. All the people that are around them in that upper level of those transfer, and not including Rodwood, believe that they can develop coaching, and they understand what they're looking for. And they're not necessarily looking for experience; they're looking for initiative. They're looking for creativity. They're looking for people who are—we say it all the time—cut from the same cloth. Brad and Dan both independently said that all the time before they were together. It was—they're from the same seamstress, and that's. You see the co the assistant coaches, Damage and Brian Duker. He doesn't get a lot of love. That's he is a guy who is really really good at his job. And I I, I know there was there was some thought that you know losing Anthony Pleasant last uh, yeah. or, I'm sorry Aubrey Pleasant yep um, last season 
was going to be a negative or it was just it was an awkward situation no doubt about it but i think duker took took the reins of that and, and has he's doing a great job i think you see um that's you see brian, you see it with brian branch you see it with yep. jerry jacobs developing you see it yep. with the young guys like starling thomas and stephen gilmore undrafted free agents who even if they don't make the lions kirby kirby oh. is a great example yep. um I had an interaction with, with Kirby today. He's, yeah. just, he's a fantastic person. He's, he, he's a very interesting guy off the field. <laughs> he's, he's one of those, you, you don't really appreciate it until you get to know him just a little bit. And I, I know Kirby just a very little bit, but he's, uh, he's, he's something else, man. <laughs> but they encourage that. And under previous regimes, and I'll go back three previous regimes, that's been stifled. And the, the fact that they want the players to be themselves and they want, they, they understand that the different players are going to go about their work differently. And that's not something that was appreciated in either of, certainly the last two regimes uh, before Dan and Brad got here. Yeah. And that's, I think that goes a long way into why players are talking about why they want to be here and why they want to stay here. You know, this team would not have C.J. Gardner-Johnson if Dan wasn't the head coach, if A.G. wasn't the defensive coordinator. He wouldn't have come here. And if we, Dan, you and I have watched him all summer. He's phenomenal. He's a <laughs> force of personality. Yeah. He's just a force of personality. And I, I man, when, when he got hurt, my heart sank because I think he is, and thank goodness it wasn't serious. Yeah. yeah. He is gonna be so important to this team, not just what he does on the field, but in a leadership role. He's and, an alpha dog. Well, yeah, no doubt about it, but think about going into Kansas City on opening night when they're raising their Super Bowl banner, and you got Cam Sutton on one side, and, and, and CJ in there, and Tracy in there, veterans that have been in there, and it won't be too big for them. Nope. Guys that, you know, in particular, just look at the guys they brought in, and Cam and, and, Tri and CJ, guys that have been in big games before. Now you have to look across the line of scrimmage to see Patrick Mahomes on the opening night of the NFL season when everybody's watching you. I feel a lot better about what may or may not happen with those guys here, but if you guys haven't seen much of CJ yet, you will absolutely love him. Cam Sutton, terrific player, much more reserved, but yes. CJ is just... Just talking. Yeah. He just brings it, man. Yeah. And, and, and he lifts everybody around him 100%. up. And I love that. You yeah. can see it. It's, it's tangible. And it's, it's contagious. The, 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 yeah. Jerry, he, ta he talked about he's contagious like the flu. Yeah. He absolutely is. And, and I mean that. And he meant it in a very positive light. And the, the, the teammates love it. Y'all know Jerry Jacobs was here last year. We're friends with him. He's friends of the show. His attitude has had an adjustment since Cam got here. He is it has blossomed. Fire. Tanky's yes. done a really nice job too. He's yep. been out yeah. there yep. with the ones all yep. camp. Yep. And I think yep. Jerry's he's done a really nice job. And I don't know what's going on with Mosley or when he may or may not be back, but I, I think Jerry is just kind of I, I think if anything, maybe dialed things down a little bit and just fallen into playing. Jerry was yep. a very kind of loud player, yep. if yep. you will, yep. in the way that he played and the way that he. Now it's just he's just business, man. Yeah, and yeah. that may come from from Gardner Johnson. I don't know. Maybe it does, but I just I love the way he has just fallen into this role and the way that he is he has just played as they've said 
until he gets back, you're, you're over there with the ones, and, and I think he's done a really nice job. Yeah. You know, Jer- Jerry is a guy who, and, and I don't mean this as a criticism of, of him, but he's always sought affirmation. Like that's he he, he wants that you look he at wants his history, that feedback yeah. yep. mm-hmm. and he's less like that this year and I think that's more on internal confidence yep. and the fact that that Cam Sutton um, who you can absolutely tell in five minutes of interviewing him was his high school class valedictorian there's like no doubt about it and and CJ with the personality like he is a force of personality he absolutely is like you can feel the confidence from Jerry like. I'm good. Like I don't I'll need to you, seek that yeah, affirmation yep. anymore. I feel it. I I I know that I got that, and think, that's something that I think wouldn't necessarily be there if CJ and Cam weren't here. And I think I, that's I, important. And I think too, Jeff. That 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 is a function. You just said it. That's a function of the guys around him too. Yeah, I yeah. think you feel like you're part of something. You're not someone. You're part of something. Yes. And there still has to be that that cockiness and that arrogance and that mm-hmm. belief in yourself. But man, I think that's secondary. And you see how many different pieces Aaron Glenn can work in that group. But I think they all feel like they're part of something now that's really growing. And I think it's really. And, and cool look what it's like. You look at Jerry though, and, yeah. and this is where it comes from. And that's what I think these guys fixed. Where he came from, it was always two steps forward, one step back. Right? Yeah. He didn't he have a dad. Yeah, his his mom passed when he was eleven. Raised by a sister, got a little trouble. Went to community college, balled out. Went to Arkansas State, balled out. Went to Arkansas uh, senior year. Then COVID, he got injured. He took a coke, bad injury, uh, bad advice. Went to COVID, hit. Went you. DFA gets picked up, comes in, gets to play because the secondary is so hurt. He comes in, he's looking good. He gets hurt, another step back. His life has been this series of I've got it and I've lost it. I've got it. It's this, this, this. I, I want to have the confidence. I believe I can do it, and then it's taken away. And I think these guys coming in have helped him believe in himself and his ability to do it and to hold on to it. And it's it's a new Jerry Jacobs this year, and I love what I see from him. And whatever happens, he's 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 a new man because the guys that are around him this year and you saw it with when Okuda got hurt his tweet he's still fully connected to Jeff Okuda those guys are, are deep friends and uh, it's, nothing it's, but love for Jeff Okuda from yeah. a lot of the Lions yeah. they, they, a lot of them were very upset by that yeah and I think that speaks to the character of the team and you know it also speaks well of Jeff mm-hmm. but yeah um, I, I think Dan being there all the time we've seen that sort of internal confidence boost from guys like Will Harris and Ifyatu Malifanwu. And it might not necessarily work out for them in the long... Savion Smith is another great example. He's changed positions this year and looks pretty good. Like, he, he looks like an NFL safety and he's never played that spot before. I, and I think that's owed to guys like CJ and Cam coming in and, and Emmanuel Mosley who, who just got here and we got a chance to talk to him a little bit after practice today. We'll talk about that in a minute. But there's there's a lot going on with those guys that speaks to the professionalism. And I think it raises the collective professionalism of the guys who are below them on the depth chart. And that's, again, that's not something we ever saw under Matt Patricia or really Jim Caldwell or Jim Schwartz either. And certainly not before that. That was a black hole. Yeah. But it's... That's what good teams do. You know, we, we talk about emulating good teams. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Seattle. Those teams are never bad. And one of the reasons for that is because the players trust in themselves and they get developed and they get coached to be better, not just by the coaching staff, but by the players. The coaches trust the players to handle those sort of things. 
I've been around some really bad football teams. I've been around both 0-16 teams. <laughs> Come on. It, maybe it's you. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it is. No way, Jeff. Well, one, one of the common denominators of those was that those teams could not develop talent, and the players didn't trust the other players to work with them like that. And that, that's, not, that's absolutely not the case with this Detroit Lions team. That's one of the reasons why I'm drinking Kool-Aid along with my beer. Yeah. <laughs> I have to. <laughs> Quick side, uh, Dan, Tony Ortiz texted in. He sends his, his much, much love. I miss T.O. Oh, a lot. He's, he wants one of these beers, too. Uh, <laughs> we, we love T.O. Yeah, he's, we we he's miss you, Tony. Friend. Come on. Come, yeah. on, come on up, T.O. We'll buy you one. Yeah, how far away does he live? He can come. <laughs> Only 40 bucks. 9.50 a.m. WWJ. That's right. <laughs> All right, moving on. Let's get into some wide receiver talk. And, Jeff, let's start off with the guy that everybody wants to talk about, a guy named J-Mo. Um, wasn't in practice today. That was interesting. He was not. And uh, <laughs> it was a very interesting situation because we didn't expect him to not be there today. And I had written a thing for Lions Wire this morning, shameless self-plug. I got to do it. Sorry. Um <laughs> about JMO and the polarization that he's had and not being at practice today and nobody really wanting to talk about that from inside the organization whether on or off the record didn't help that not, it, 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 it was a we don't know and then it was we don't want to talk about it that's, <laughs> that's one way to interpret it yes <laughs> Uh, Jamar Jefferson was also not there today, and that was also another one Same where the, the team didn't. So it wasn't just JMO. They're not. They're not. Yep. yep. It's it's not just that, but it was awkward, and it was awkward for the people that we were asking those questions to as well. And one one of the th one of the themes that I had in writing the piece this morning online, where I get check it out, please. Um, my my son needs new shoes. He's <laughs> Size 16s are cheap. Every three months. Yeah, every three months that kid needs new shoes. More than that. <laughs> Size wow. 15 wise don't grow on trees either. <laughs> but, uh, it, was, it was because he, he is a polarizing guy. Like Everybody has a strong opinion about him. And whether it's excuse, unexcused, we don't know. Like That just doesn't, it doesn't help him. And I think one of the big themes and one of the reasons why JMO has detractors and why they're so virulent, and some of you in the room are probably fit that bill, and I don't blame you, is because he doesn't make it easy on himself. He doesn't make it easy to like him. Ash is, Ash is chomping at the bit here, so I'll, I'll, get, I'll turn it over to you, buddy. <laughs> it's, oh, the no. angry, uh, it's the angry Canadian approach. I like JMO. <laughs> I was super happy when we drafted that guy. Yeah, yeah. Like because I mean, like when it comes right down to it, on the field, he's so good. Yes, like, he's just so smooth and so fast. Like you see a guy like Gibbs, and you're like, wow, that guy's really fast. And then you watch JMO do the exact same thing, and you're like, whoa, whoa, hundred percent. What did I just see? Like it is just, it is a different, and for a defense, scary thing. So I mean, we all need to be like hoping that this works out very well. <laughs> you know, because we might be sitting on the next Tyreek Hill. That's another guy who had some issues when he first came into the league and before and developed <laughs> into the, the most dangerous weapon in offense in the NFL, basically. Like, it, it's, that, that's what he could be. That is his upside. That's what we are all, we all need to be rooting for. Uh, so if you're one of the people that's it's, going on social media and ripping on him constantly, just, just don't. It's, it's the thing, J-Mo is going to be what he's going to be. 
And no matter what it is today, you can talk about it, but it's meaningless because in 10 weeks, 15 weeks, whenever it is that he's back, you'll know what you have. And all of this will either be, see, I told you so, or it didn't matter. It doesn't matter until he gets on the field until you see what he has. And all this is just, just talk. It's just noise. And it doesn't mean, I don't know that it means anything to him. It, it may, because he seems I, like I, he's... I think he's, it does very much, actually. I think he's very susceptible to the, the conversations that, has, that are going that on. This does mean a lot to him. He's susceptible he's to those conversations. Like that. Yep. And I think he would... He's 22 years old. He's caught less than 100 passes in his life. Yep. Three years in college, he caught 94 passes. Last year, he caught one. There's there's a lot of football growth that needs to happen with JMO, and, and personally, so I, I would like to see him focus on that football growth mm-hmm. as much as he focuses on his Instagram feed and his shoes and things like that. And I I do think that he does, but I don't think that we see that very well. I don't think he conveys that very well. And I think that's a problem for the people who are against him. I think it doesn't matter. I think it doesn't I, matter. I don't I, disagree with you at all. Yeah, he, I, I, go ahead. Dave. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I just tend to agree with you. And look, I, I know where we are in this world and that we have the ability to discuss things at the drop of a hat. And we discuss things 24 hours a day, whether it's on Twitter or, uh, you know, newspaper writers who are putting things on Twitter immediately or people that are on the radio with immediate ability or podcasters with immediate ability. And, and he is a lightning rod. And the reason he's a lightning rod is because he has the ability to be great and a, and oh, a yeah. difference maker. And, he does. And an yeah. electric performer on the field. But to your point, it's almost like we're spinning our wheels at this point. And it's like... Let's get to the point where he plays, and let's get to the point where we then find out what he does. Last year wasn't overwhelming. You know, six games, one catch. Let's see what happens in game seven this year when he comes back and is allowed to play. But I almost feel like, you know, we're we're just running around in circles talking about every single thing that happens to him. Does he drop some passes in practice? Yeah, he does. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Is that something that he's going to need to work on? Yep, and even Dan Campbell said that. But let, let's find out where it goes from here. And it's, we all want him to be great. And I think that's where this is born out of. It's just a concern for, is this investment giving everything back that, that we're looking for? And the answer is, we're going to find out. Yep. And we're going to find out, you know, a lot in week seven on. But um, as much as we talk about it, there's no answers coming right now. Right. So right. let's 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 wait till the answers start it's, to come in. I know that's not the way we work, and, and I'm talking about myself yeah, too in yep. this media world. But it's just, um, it, it's man, it's it's gotten crazy. It's interesting how the Lions have been handling this because if you look, yes, uh, Thursday in in practice when he was there. <laughs> He was right in front doing the hacky sack catches over the shoulder, right? He was right in front of the crowd, standing right there, walking down the sideline, doing it. Every drill that he did, he was the one right in front of the crowd. And there's really, there's two messages the Lions are sending here. One is, he's working, we're working him, we're doing it, we're practicing, we're improving. But the other one is, J-Mo, everyone's watching. Everyone's watching, right? And they put him in a place to be seen so he can't hide. So he has to stand up and be who he is. I think they're handling it well. I think they're doing everything they can in their power that you can't come out and have a, a PR blitz about JMO. And it's not good for the team. They don't want to do that. 
They're doing what they can. They're trying to talk with the, with the performance that they can, that they can show, and we'll see where it is when he gets on the field. And I think that's exactly what it is. Everybody wants to talk uh, about JMO because he's an exciting prospect, because he has so much that he could bring to the team. None of it means anything until he gets on the field catching balls or dropping balls, whichever he does. Yep. Dan, you know this from, from being in the, the media room. Every national media person that comes in, what's the first thing they ask about? Yeah, I mean, if it's not Dan Campbell and, and wow, I can't believe I'm here covering the Detroit Lions, it's yeah. JMO. Yeah, 100%. Because he's, he is a, like I said, he's a lightning rod because he's, the, the gifts he has are otherworldly. When he runs, it's like, I mean, I was, I, I covered Daryl Green. I was lucky enough to see that. And that was something like I've never seen in my life. When Daryl wanted to kick it into another yep. gear, it was just, there, there was nothing that compared to it. I've seen fast players, and I've seen Daryl Green. Yeah, yeah. And, and I will say, I've seen fast players, and I've seen Daryl Green, and I've seen JMO. And JMO is just cut from a different cloth when it comes to that speed. Yeah. We'll see how much it pays off, but it is so, the possibilities are so great that that's why we're all, you know, wanting to talk about it and wanting to break it down and wanting to see yeah. whether or not it's going to work. But to your point, we're just not going to get any answers for a while. Can I, I want to push to the, another position group because another guy who has all the potential to be otherworldly is Jameer Gibbs. The guy is just something special. And it's happening in a, in a time when you, all the conversation is about running backs being devalued as a position, the, 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 the people themselves saying we're being underpaid and we're being tossed aside and then we're not being valued the way we are. And then you look at Ben Johnson and a guy like Jameer Gibbs and what they're, they're you know, the idea they call him an offensive weapon instead of a running back, that he could line up, we've seen him line up, line up wide in practice, we've seen him in the slot, we've seen him in the backfield. Here's a guy that could absolutely change the position, and you want to be the team that rewrites how the NFL works. We've so often, the last group we built, we talk about it all the time, we tried to rebuild the, the 85 uh, New York Giants, right? That was the last regime. Now we're innovating. We're building something new. We're trying to be at the front and driving the way the NFL goes. And while everybody is lamenting the death of the running back, long live the running back in Detroit with a guy like Jameer Gibbs. Dan, what have you seen in uh, what Ben's done and what Jameer's done so far this year? Because this is a guy that seems like he's got a heck of a lot of talent to burn. It's a lot of the same thing that you see with JMO When he gets the ball in his hands, and in particular you see him out there with a linebacker on him or something like that, they have no shot. Yeah. They literally yeah. have no chance None. to stop him. He's too fast. And if he gets the ball with a step on you, you're toast. You're gone. You're toast. <laughs> you're and gone. it's there, there was a play either OTA or minicamp that he made where he just made a little uh, diagonal move across the middle, caught the ball. It was online. People saw it. And it was just like, you just heard a gasp from the sideline because we were all like, oh my gosh. Yeah. That's what they're looking at. And it's, man, he is, uh, and, and look, he's looked like a rookie at times as well. He's had his share of drops out there a couple times as well. But it's it just a special skill set when he gets the ball in his hands and a lump of clay for Ben Johnson, to your point, to use in so many different ways. And you're going to see him and Montgomery on the field together a lot, and that's going to be a headache for defenses. Yep. Because, man, if you put the wrong guy on him, 
you're going to have a problem. What happens when Montgomery's out in the flat catching a ball? <laughs> it's going to, people's heads are going to explode. This is, there's so much you can do with the, with this offense. I am excited to see it. Um, I want to jump. We're getting, we're getting, we've been running a long time here. We've been going for a little over an hour. We still have the Q&A, but there's something I want to talk about really quick. Uh, I'm going to go to kind of a little bit of a meta tap topic. And, and if you don't mind, Riz, uh, grab the Q&A questions. So we'll it. bring those as well. Thank you, Sam. You're the man. Um, really quick, Dan, Kansas City, opening of the NFL season, one of the biggest games of the season, highest rated generally until you get yeah. to the playoffs. It's such an opportunity for a team. And they pick the, they pick the Detroit Lions to play against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Lions really have nothing to lose in this game. This is an opportunity where you win, you're a superstar. You lose, ah, everybody expected it. Yeah. Everything's standing there. And I want to kind of talk about what you think about that. And then I want to start kind of diving into what is a day in a life? We're going to Kansas City. I want to know what that looks like for you. From you hop on the plane, you get your breakfast, your, your, your orange juice in the morning, all the way through and talk through it. No, I think, I think the opportunity is there. And you say nothing to lose. And while I understand what you're saying and why you're saying it, you only get 17 cracks at this That's thing. true. You only get 17 chances. So they're not going in there thinking we want to make a good show. And they're going in there thinking we want to win. And I think that's... Thank you. That's a chance in front of the the whole NFL to really announce who you are, what you are, and where you're going. And I'm I'm looking forward to that night. Look, a day in the life for me. Um, the guys will tell you, you know, it all. It starts with an all-American breakfast with the bacon and eggs. <laughs> and they always they always make fun of me because I'll get to the set for our pregame show and they'll say, "Did you get your breakfast delivered to your room?" I'll be like, "Yep, two eggs over medium, bacon, hash browns, wheat toast." And it's it's like that's that's every day. I was hoping it wasn't gonna be moving over at my hammy. No, no, no. <laughs> Had a couple of those at two a.m. Though I gotta tell you that that is the correct uh, yeah. You and me did. <laughs> uh, but I, I I think it's a little different because it's a night game. But you know, for a game like that. You know, we're getting there at uh, 4 o'clock. I got TV hits from, from 5 until 6.30. We have a pregame show on TV from 6.30 to 7. Before that, we'll record the open for the radio. I go up to the radio booth. We do radio 7 to 8. Um, it's just kind of going back and forth between radio and TV before the game. And then you get into the game. And, and you know, we got a great team of guys that work with us between Lomas and TJ and, and the support crew that we have for radio. Uh, I'm really blessed in that regard that I work with great people and it's it's just I mean that a night like that is just going to be incredible I mean they all are every every game is because of what this league is and what each game means but a night like that where you know you're the only game in town and you're starting the NFL season is just going to be in, incredible um, I, I've I've thought about it. Kansas City, uh, I mean, I've been to Arrowhead since I think 03. Uh, excuse me, I, I, I've not done a game on radio. I did the 03 game, the Lions-Chiefs, I think, for uh, Fox. I was back for a playoff game for Westwood One. I've not done a Lions game on the radio there ever. So I'm wow. looking forward to that. We, I think the only time we were supposed to play there was London. Yeah, that's I right. think that was a Kansas City home game. So... That was uh, the uh, that was the the game where uh, we got Joe Lombardi was forced to be fired. We got killed. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. Uh, it was not good. Um, but it's it is really one of the best stadiums in the NFL. Their fans are fantastic. The place is loud, yes. and it's going to be a re it's just going to be an amazing night. And I, I I can't wait. Somebody 
Yesterday, somebody threw up the Alex Anzalone, it's 34 days till the opener. I'm like, really? Still 34 days until the opener? I was surprised by that. Yeah. Can I, can I ask you a question on, on, on like how much interaction do you do with the Chiefs at all? How much do you do with the Chiefs radio team and, and broadcast team? Do you do have any interaction with them at all? Or You know, I, the guys that I know like and have a relationship, like, like Paul Allen's a friend of mine, and, and some of the other guys in our division are, are, are friends, and you get to know them, and, and you'll stop by and say hello. I, I've not seen, we don't get together with the Chiefs very often. And Jeff, I think the one thing that I found, I mean, my first NFL experience was with, is that me? Is that the metal plate in no, my head? No. No, I think that my, my, my first experience with doing NFL was Fox, where you had to kind of know both teams. I think what I found with doing home radio is you still have to know the other team, but man, the bulk of what you do is with, with your team. Because when something goes right, it's what went right with the Lions. When something goes wrong, it's what went wrong with the Lions. So you're, you're, you're obviously doing a deep dive on the Chiefs, but your deepest dive is always on the Lions because that's what people want to know about, and that's what people want to, want to focus on is, you know, if Kansas City did something great, great. But what did the Lions do wrong to allow them to do something great? That's, that's right. kind of where your, your focus goes. Good. All right. Uh, Dan, what's, what's the hardest part of traveling to do these games? You're doing eight games a year, nine games a year on the road, different stadiums. I know Brandy always tells a story about the, the old ladies at Lambeau with the brats, oh, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, In this very room, he told that yeah, that's right. <laughs> several years ago. There's, I, I'd be a fool to say that there's anything hard. I mean, I, look, I got the greatest job in the world. I mean, I travel with the team, I stay at nice hotels, I eat, I go do a game, and I go home. There's, there's nothing... I, if you I don't get hit in practice. Complain, yeah. You're not in I constant complain, pain. Slap me. I mean, it's just, there's, there's nothing that's, that's, that you don't look forward to. It's an amazing experience. You know, I, I get there on Saturday, I go out to eat with my friends on Saturday night, I go to bed, I watch college football, I fall asleep, I wake up, I have my All-American breakfast, I go to the stadium, I do a TV pregame show, and then I do a game on the radio. And then I jump on a team flight and come home. Find something to complain about. I'm blessed. Sounds it's, good to it's, me, it's, Dan. It's, it's yeah. I am <laughs> blessed. It is an amazing job. I've made many mistakes in my life to not end up having that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to the Q&A. The first one, Ash, since you were, you were piping up so well here. Uh, what is the current ratio of guys to dudes in the roster of the Detroit Lions? Ooh, okay. Oh. Uh, well, according <laughs> to uh, Wisco Boiler, our uh, wonderful Slack chat uh, person, uh, you need to have, I believe his number is five dudes on the team to be able to do this. And like right now... What's a dude? Define what a dude is. A dude is a guy that basically the other team has to change what they do to deal with his level of play. Like basically they can't just do, they can't run their system because this person exists and is on the Detroit Lions. And it's a, it's a little... It's a little hard to say how many we actually have right now uh, because there's a lot of theoretically possibly dudes on the team. You know what I mean? Like uh, Jamo, as an example. It, it, that's, that's a guy who could be one of those, but I don't think we can quite give him that moniker as of yet because like, that would just be ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> Gibbs is another guy that's, that's like he has that potential. Be. Yeah, like yeah. It's, it's that you can see it 
there. Uh, Jack Campbell is another guy. Amon Raza, dude. Yeah, that's that's the one I think I can Pinesa say that. Dude. Yeah, Pinesa yeah, Pinesa yep. dude. yeah. He Pinesa does things dude. other tackles can't do. Like it just yeah. plays exist in the Lions playbook because Panesul is on the Hutch, roster. Hutch is getting to yep. yeah. yeah, with everything you're hearing about how much stronger yeah. he is and like going out there and looking at it, it 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 is hard to see him not being one. This summer, Taylor Decker has been a dude. Yeah, I, I wrote he it gets, today. Wow. He has yeah. not lost a so single much more respect yeah. than he gets. He has yeah. not lost yeah. a single rep this summer in the six practices that I've been to. Not one. No, he and, and the casual, and I, and I say casual, but it only appears that way, right? Yep. He's like the duck that's just coasting across just the water easy. while its feet are going yep. crazy. The casual manner in which he approaches it. I watched him take a rep today and absolutely destroy a defensive end. And they just kind of stroll back, stroll he, he back. I mean, he's bored. Yeah. The, the yeah. other day, he 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 stonewalled on consecutive reps. He stonewalled Hutch, and then they they, they move things around. And Charles Harris went went against him, and he put him on his ass. And then James Houston came in, and he put him on his ass. And it wasn't like he was even trying that hard. Like it's ridiculous how good and how comfortable he is at left tackle. I would love right. to yeah. see him get more recognition. Absolutely. Yeah, I really Absolutely. feel like he deserves that. He's, he's, you know, I mean, maybe you get lost in that offensive line because Ragnow is one of the best also centers. Also, yeah. He's, you know, he's not a look-at-me guy either. No, he's um, not. I mean, he plays at a high-profile high position, but he's, to your point, he's really good. He's really good. Really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dan Goff was one for ten games last year. Yeah, yeah. Just straight up. Anyone who says he's not doesn't know anything about football. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. agree. Yeah. I'd say 324 straight passes yeah. without interceptions. Yeah, that's impressive. That's, so that's the mastery he, he that. has yeah. over the offense. That leads directly to this question. This is perfect. Why do you think Goff gets so little respect? He's a first-round pick and a Super Bowl winner, and his stats last first year were overall. awesome. Thoughts? Because, because he sucked in 2019 to 2020, <laughs> 2021. Yeah. He wasn't good. Like, that's, that's unavoidable. That doesn't mean that he's going to suck again. But he has, and he had those patches at Cal, by the way, before he was the number one pick. Mm-hmm. He, his, his penultimate year at Cal, he wasn't good. Like, and the program wasn't good. He is very much a guy where if you have good talent around him, he's going to look really good. Yep. And he can, he can rise above and elevate those types of players. But if he doesn't have talent around him, he's not the quarterback you want. I think it's true, though. And, and, and I don't want to take that to an extreme because people say that. You look at Matthew Stafford. When he was thrown to Chris Durham, the Detroit Lions really didn't do a whole lot. No. Every player needs to be surrounded by talent. And I, th- I, I think people... I un- yeah. Although to throw to Durham down the left sideline... That was the most incredible... That was the most incredible play ever. One of the best yep. throws but, you'll but, ever see in your life. But the Rams and the, and the, uh, oh, geez, the Chiefs was one of the best games you'll ever see in your life with Jared Goff against yeah. Patrick yeah. Mahomes. Look at the last crazy. game that Goff played. He played in Green Bay in a playoff game and was great. Yeah. It's, but they it's, didn't win. <laughs> wow. yeah. It's nuts. All right. Um, really quick, this, was a, this is a good question. What will it take for the Lions to win the NFC? Tomorrow, this shirt goes on sale. It's a replica 1991 Detroit Lions NFC 10 Central Champs shirt. 
I'll get you one, Dan. I'll get All you right. sized in a little bit. Uh, it goes on sale at DetroitLionsPodcast.com slash store. Check them out. They're awesome. This is what it's going to take to win the NFC. People have to believe and celebrate the past and not be afraid of it. Get your shirt now it's, or tomorrow. When they go out there, they're awesome. They are. I mean, they're so throwback and sweet. I could not not put them up. All right. Uh, what does it take to win the NFC, Ash? Uh, doing exactly what they did for the second half of last season with a slightly better defense. Like, we, we, can, we all know the AFC is the division. Like, that's, that's the conference that's loaded. Yep. Like all the quarterbacks are over there. Yep. The NFC, it's not wide, wide open. Like, it, it's going to be tough to go through Philly. Uh, San Francisco with a quarterback is a terrifying team to have to deal with. <laughs> uh, but on any given Sunday, I think the Lions have shown that they can hang with and potentially beat any of these teams. Like last year against Philly, they, like you said, lost by three points. Uh-huh. Yep. And that was with a defense that was just falling all over itself. Seattle to game, too. Seattle will be, yep. will be a contender again. One punt. It, all they needed was one punt in that game, and they win. <laughs> one stop. They still almost had a chance to win on the onside yep. kick. Yeah. yeah. Not yeah. forcing a punt the entire like game. Like, they were so close last year. How are you so into this team still, Dan? I mean, we did so many post-game shows when we <laughs> lost, and you've been doing this for decades. It seems you poor guy. <laughs> I probably remember the wins more than the losses, but yeah. it's... Yeah. Uh, look, man, it's... you. I grew up dreaming of, of, of being in this business and, and doing something. I didn't know I'd be in Detroit, but you grow up dreaming of this. And when you get the opportunity to do it, it's not lost on you that um, it's pretty special. And, you know, a whole lot of people tell you no before anybody tells you yes in this business. And you remember all the people <laughs> yes. that told you no. Yes. <laughs> and, and then you realize that you're just really fortunate to be there and I, I don't mean to take it down that path but it's just I mean we're we're blessed to do what we do and uh, I, I there's no place else I'd rather be everything I've wanted to do I've been able to do and that's that's you know I, I never lose sight of that this is and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give something he hates this but he's gonna get it anyway Calvin Johnson, Barry Sanders was the guy. He would score a touchdown, he would hand the ball, and that was it. It was a very Detroit kind of thing. Calvin Johnson, Dan, you are the same way. You are such a humble winner. You are so great at what you do, and you're just so great about how you do it. Thank you for, for all of that, man. We really appreciate, appreciate you. Uh, you guys, thank you. I, I am beyond lucky to do what I do, and man, it, it just, I just, I, I talked about this the other day, and with one of the guys and I just said Alex Anzalone and I just said the best part of my job is when we win because I see these people happy yeah. and I and yeah. I, I want to see them happy and and it's it's the best mm-hmm. it is the, that's the best part of the, when I walk out of Ford Field and I walk out while there's still some people in the building and there's there's people filing out and they're hanging out and they're still kind of in there and everybody just wants to high five and say how great it is that's the best feeling in the world. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, for real. It's amazing. For real. All right. Most productive defensive end not named Hutchinson this year? Well, that's, that's a good, good question. That's a good one. That's a good one because I, I, I want to see James round out his game to where they trust him to do other things. Um, and then I think there's guys like Pascal that could move out there or Kaminsky that could move out there. I, I'm... Let me just say this, the most intriguing guy for me is James Houston because he has physical gifts that, that people don't yeah. normally have yep. and an ability to do things that other people can't do, but he's got to earn the trust of that coaching staff to be able to play more downs. I appreciate that. And I, I just want to, thanks for that because I want to dedicate, we have the James Houston boat horn for Riz. Before we... <laughs> 
Okay, Riz. So, so. <laughs> Your question. You don't get to respond. We're moving on. We're running out of time, buddy. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Number two corner, Mosley, when healthy, or Jerry Jacobs? So, Mosley, he's really good. That was the question, right? I'm yep. sorry. Yep. Mosley or Jerry, number two. I think Mosley's breadth of experience and his ability to play different coverages surpasses Jerry. Doesn't mean that Jerry won't get there, but I think right now, Mosley, if he's healthy, and he's not right now, and uh, I'll, I'll diverge a little bit here. We got to talk to Mosley after practice today. Um, uh, Dave Burkett flagged him down. He was in street clothes, and a bunch of us got around it and talked to him. He didn't officially acknowledge that he had a second surgery, but he didn't say that he didn't. So we <laughs> we know he did. He was asked about a timeline, and he said, I don't want to talk in timelines, but then he was asked if he'll be there week one, and he was pretty optimistic about it. But then as he's walking away... Very visible limp still. So I don't know about that. Yeah. So it might be a moot question. There whether, we go. Because I, I'm not sold that we're going to see him that soon. And it sucks because he's a great guy. Yep. And, and this was the fir- today was the first time that I'd actually gotten to talk to him and, and be in a, an environment where I was around him. And you really want to root for him because he's an easy, he's a really easy guy to like, and he's a, he's a smart, erudite dude, yep. and he was he was as straightforward as he could be, but he's not he's not there. He's yep. just not. Yep. And I don't expect him in training camp. I don't expect him in the preseason. There you go. All right, really quick, I want to I want to give a shout out to Uptown Grill. Rachel and yeah. Sam tonight have been taking Rachel us off. Taking care, fantastic. Sam makes one of the best old fashions I've ever had. If you ah, haven't had one that. of those tonight, ask him for it. It is great. That's not an old fashioned in that giant glass. Is no, it no, it is not. This okay, is this good. is not, not, not a twenty ounce old fashioned. No, <laughs> that's a you were old, you were new. Now you're old. This is an I got to be on a plane at like eight o'clock in the morning tomorrow. So. Oh, we got to do it one more time. There's Rachel. Thank Thank you, Rachel. Thank you. <laughs> and there's Sam. Thank you, Sam, yeah. so much all night. Thank you, guys. You've been awesome. Guys, just so you know, they gave us a uh, they gave us a discount on the room so that we could do this because you know how inflation's been. Tip them well. Tip them well. They took yes, taking very good do. care of us. Thank you very they're, much. They're doing a great job. They, they brought me beer that I didn't even ask for, and I appreciate that. <laughs> and speaking That's of old-fashioned, Sam, if I could get another one of those, that would be awesome. <laughs> it's the best Thank kind you, of beer. All right. Uh, last couple questions here. Number one, this is for anyone who wants it. I live in the UP. Everyone's a Packer fan. How much of an ass can I be when we win the Super Bowl? <laughs> <laughs> I, like the, I like the question. As somebody who might be spending an inordinate amount of time in the UP coming up uh, with my son i'm pretty excited about that and i think that that's something that uh look packers fans have been insufferable for a long time oh yeah i live in west michigan i don't get detroit radio i get chicago radio. i get milwaukee radio like local over the air i'm tired of that i I want to celebrate detroit and and being in the grand rapids market i was talking about this with somebody who was here earlier we're there are way too many Bears and Packers fans who are way too freaking confident mm-hmm. in West Michigan. And I want the Lions to take that market over and just, like, shut all these people off. There you go. <laughs> the UP is 
the same. I, I understand that the UP. I understand that Green Bay is a lot closer to the UP than than Detroit is, but. <laughs> I'm, I am telling you, I am all ass. I am built for this job. Please win this for me. <laughs> all right. Uh, question for me. Who wins? Justin Rogers or Dave Burkett? I love them both. Justin Rogers, you guys know, is my guy, though. I, I really genuinely love Justin Rogers and what he does and how he does it. Dave's, Dave's spectacular as well. So Dave, I don't want to be Dave's there. very good. Justin Dave, sat in this chair last year, yeah, though, or two years ago. Yep, yep. Just, I'll just, just say we're talking really lucky yeah. in this town yep. to have all the people we have covered. <laughs> yeah, we, we that, goes, that goes yep. for you guys, all the bloggers, all the podcasters, all the beat guys. It's a great crew, and it's a great crew to just hang with. It really is, and I will say this as covering the Texans and covoring the Browns, the Detroit media, we are spoiled. I know a lot of y'all don't think that. We are spoiled by the yeah. coverage that we get mm-hmm. from They're the true. daily beat writers, from the, the blogosphere, which I'm proudly part of. We're, we're a lot better than a lot of other teams have, yeah. yep. In, yep. In, all, in all honesty. And uh, I, I, I got another one here, 20 minutes or, or O'Hara, and, you know, I, I oh, love Mike O'Hara. Oh, I yeah. think Anchor Bar. I think Detroit. I think his time with the papers. I look at, and I, I just, I just love that guy. Yep. And and I, I, I see a man who's had a just a brilliant career, and I see a guy in Twenty Men who's blossoming, who's really coming up and ready to take that same kind of step yeah, and have that man. same journey. So I, I, they're, awesome. they're they're both yeah. spectacular, just at different times. That's man. like picking between grandfather and grandson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it really yeah. is. Yeah. I, I, so I sit next to Mike in the press room. And I do that on purpose because I learned from him. We were talking about the World League of American Football today. Yeah, nice. And he was an encyclopedia on it. Wow. It was, it was fantastic. <laughs> and and Mike, Mike, Mike has forgotten more about football than I will ever learn. And I've, I've been at this a very long time. He is so good at what he does. He's, but he's Tim, Detroit to me. He's Tim, Detroit. I'm going to give it up. Tim is a fellow Zealander. And Tim is really, really good. And I think a lot of a lot of y'all get on him for being an employee of the Lions and having restrictions on him. He's not like that, though. Like he does not approach his job like he's an employee of the Detroit Lions. He he approaches it like he's an employee of an independent press. And I very much appreciate that about him. Awesome. All right, Riz, who wins Russia Primus? Oh, Rush. Dream Theater or Porcupine Tree? Oh, damn, that's hard. Dream Theater. Van Hagar or Van Roth? Oh, Hagar, no I, question. I know the answer to this one. Coheed and Cambria or Mars Volta? I mean, Coheed. There you go, all Coheed. right. <laughs> Coheed, Coheed, Coheed is one of those. One of one, my favorite, the, one of my ultimate moments that I'm like somebody that's sort of cool is that Coheed and Cambria followed me on Twitter. Like that's, that, 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 that still makes me Crazy. I love your, those guys. Tickles you there. Hold All right. Travis. Last question uh, from the Q&A. Dan Miller, do you ever get sick of kicking so much ass? Or are you still trying to kick even more ass somehow? Dan Miller! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. I, I hope we all kick ass together this year is, yeah. is my hope. I'm, I'm excited. Um, I want to see what these guys can do. What a pro I, with that answer. I know. That's fantastic. So <laughs> no, I do. I, I just, hey, we're all in this together, man. We all want the same thing. And I, I am such a fan of, of this organization and these people. Um, I, I, I just want to see them succeed. I would love nothing more than to see, you know, Sheila Hamp holding that trophy and Dan Campbell holding that trophy and Brad Holmes holding that trophy because I think they – 
you know, from Rod Wood, Mike Disner, everybody on down, Chris Spielman, they've done this thing the right way. Yeah, now you got to get the results. Yep. And that's yep. what I'm looking for. All right. I want to thank every single one of you for coming out here tonight and listening and taking part with everything we do. Thank you all very, very much. You all are great. We're going to close down the show right now, and then we're going to hang out tonight. We're we can drink. Yeah. We will probably <laughs> answer more of these questions informally later yeah. <laughs> uh, once we break all this down. Um, if you didn't write it down, you can ask us later, too. Because yeah, yeah. we will be here until they kick us out. Wait, they're allowed to talk to us? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you're not allowed yes, to talk Ash, to them, Ash. Okay. You're, you're, you're right. part of the show now, so you gotta, you got you to gotta be sociable. Back in the cage, Gimp. <laughs> it's back behind this thing. <laughs> all right. Again, big thanks to Jeff Risden. Ash Thompson from Canada and Florida to Detroit. And one of the greats, one of the, the guys, I, I, and I say it, he makes my, my, my hair stand up every time I hear him call a touchdown. Dan the Man Miller. Thank you. Thank you. Dan came to our very first one of these yeah. at a different venue where we just were like, hey, do you want to come? And you showed <laughs> up did. and you hung out. He did. And there was like, there was like 15 you. or 20 of us and a couple of you were here. here were there. That's right. And you've been here, I think, every year but one ever since. And the, the one year was, was a weird year. So while well, you were busy Saturday night because the Lions were, were practicing at Fort Field. Right, right, right. So we cannot thank you enough for coming and joining us and imparting your wisdom and imparting your it. who you are on us. We, we really cannot thank you enough. Nothing happens for me without you guys and you guys. So I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, great. And then we have to give it up for Chris for setting all this up, organizing this. Dude, I'm watching the Making everything here <laughs> Chris, thank you. Well, thank you. Man. None thank of this you. happens without that guy. Awesome. Thank you all. All right, remember, don't forget us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. Five bucks a month gets you into the Slack chat. The most intelligent Lions chat on the internet. You've got everybody but Dan. We'll get Dan in there. We'll see if we can get him into the we Slack chat. We that like, most of the time, too. We really do. Uh, he'll peek his nose in and run. Uh, it's a good time. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's a great way to support the show and have fun and talk Lions year-round. Also, follow us on Twitter at DET Lions Podcast or X. I don't know what we call it anymore. What is that? DET Lions Podcast at Jeff Risden at Mr. Twist Tweets at Dan Miller Fox 2 exactly nailed it alright All right. Uh, follow us all on Twitter it's a great place to see us pants free if, if ever uh, also give us a call on Skype Detroit Lions podcast that's all one word or call us on the Lions line at 929 no that's not it it's 248-782-8384 248-782-8384 or 248-RUB-YOU-FUG. That's right. You can figure what we're Nobody's out of that. called that in a while, so you all need to call. <laughs> Especially if you're intoxicated. We like that. that those are the best calls. I'll start and, doing that. <laughs> Ash is going to call in deep, breathing deep. It's random days. Yeah. Ash is going to call now. <laughs> yes, I'm going to leave five messages tonight. <laughs> Be sure to go to DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast. Why, Riz? Why would people subscribe? So I can come into y'all all those ear holes automatically. Oh, just so yeah. gross sounding. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to see you next time with the Detroit Lions podcast. Remember, no pants, no toasters, no hot tubs, and no problems because we're your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. Thank you all for coming.